Hey there, it's Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. I'm the creator of YourCourageousLife.com, the director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at TeamCLCC.com, and I'm the author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers everywhere and of course at Amazon. And as you might have guessed, I'm the host of this podcast, the Your Courageous Life podcast. We're going to talk about going after what you want and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life. I might drop a couple of F-bombs, so don't listen with your kids in the backseat. And here we go. So I had a thing, and the thing was this. There's a story, people. Here it is. So several years ago, a long time ago, since I am both an internet dinosaur and a self-help dinosaur, it's kind of funny to think about. I've been doing this whole self-helpy thing since 2006, which is kind of a long time on the internet. Um, I I was just in this mode ages ago where it was like my critic was driving me crazy. I would do my best to ignore it, kind of like stick my fingers in my ears and la la la, I can't hear you and just pretend that I didn't hear it, I'm not listening to you, you know, stuff like that. And then I would also um, try to placate it. This is like perfectionism mode, right? If I could just do life right, my critic wouldn't come up. That's kind of how I felt about it. And yet, my critic would come up. Probably sounds really familiar, right? Your critic comes up too, I would imagine. And at the time, I was doing some pretty intensive coaching, weekly sessions with my coach, Matthew Marzell, and I had had this day where I wanted to do something or other, and my critic popped up with how I couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't be enough or, you know, something like that. And that day, instead of avoiding or pleasing, placating my critic, I got angry. And so I attacked it, and I told it to shut the fuck up. And there was like this silence after I did that. And in that silence, I kind of went, well, there we go. Now we're getting somewhere, aren't we, Kate? (laughs) And I, I was just, you know, yeah, we got this. I know how to deal with my critic now. I need to tell it to shut the fuck up. I'm the one who's the boss. I'm the one who's going to say how this ship is steering. I'm going to, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. I felt very empowered in that moment. And I began, you know, thinking, this is it. I've found the Holy Grail. And the critic popped back in a little bit later, and I shut the fuck up and told it to go away. And, of course, I'm also laughing at myself telling all of you this story because in what other context is it really socially acceptable to tell thousands of people around the world that you talk to yourself in your head? No other circumstance I'm aware of. But, yes, we we all do it, frankly. Um, We all have critics and we all do things with those critics, whether we avoid them, placate them, or attack them, as I was. Well, I was doing weekly coaching around this time as I was experiencing this, this newfound power around my critic, or what I thought anyway. And I went to a coaching session with my coach, Matthew Marzell, and I was like, hey, Matthew, here's the thing. You know, I have figured this shit out. This is what I need to do. I am the boss of me, and I tell him the whole story about how I wanted to do something. And I just said to that critic, you know, dropped a couple F-bombs. And I'm sitting here 
you know, classic perfectionist, by the way, thinking I'm going to tell my coach this story and I'm going to get my gold star. Like, how great is this to get the gold star of self-help when you go in for your coaching session? And when I told him what I'd said, he had this very interesting response. He goes, ouch. And I'm kind of thrown by this, right? Because, <laughs> of course, I'm expecting that I'm going to be like, you know, little Miss Awesome Sauce here today coming in and taking charge. And he began to explain to me that, you know, certainly he's, he's very like, you're always in choice. You know, he, he would never expect me to necessarily get on board with what he does because he does it. But he explained that the paradigm he operates from is that the critic is a wound and that abusing any part of ourselves just means we perpetuate and practice abusive behaviors. And then we spent a little time talking about where I learned to talk like that to my critic. Because really, if I thought about it, it wasn't the first time. Usually it wasn't an F-bomb for me, but it was just kind of like I'd tell it to shut up and go away, you know. And it was this really big opening for me of realizing that the entire way that our society has oriented itself around how to deal with the critic is really dysfunctional. I mean, we all know that binaries are inherently dehumanizing, right? Like taking someone and making them all good or all bad, right versus wrong, you know, leaving no room for nuance, no room for shades of gray is not very helpful. But how often do we do that with the things in our, within ourselves that we don't like? And, you know, I began reading more about... Um, you know, the Buddhist perspective on how we can have positive self-regard. How can we truly go into an environment within our own minds, within our own souls, where we really are actually practicing true love and care? And I came to the conclusion that the only answer really is to embrace the inner critic. Now, you might be hearing this and as I did at the time that Matthew and I were talking about this stuff, you might be recoiling. Now, I remember he said to me, your inner critic is your best friend with lousy communication skills. And I'm sitting here like, what? Yo, no, 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 no. My best friend would not be telling me that I'm a piece of shit quite so often. And it was this really profound awareness that I came to over the course of some sessions and really trying this idea on for myself. I didn't just, you know, blindly my coach said it, so I'm like, oh, I have to do it too. It was it was trying it out and really seeing that that this critic within is like this ultimate voice of fear. It is so afraid. For all the bluster, for all the meanness, for all the insults it likes to throw, it is so afraid. And in its fear, it does whatever it can because it is wounded. I mean, have you ever met a healthy person, healthy, happy, fulfilled person who talks to you the way your critic talks to you? I, I certainly haven't. And if you really listen to how people talk about other people when they're criticizing them, and you really go, man, if that same criticize, criticism were being said to me about me instead of about that person you're gossiping about or critiquing, 
I, I wouldn't want to be around you. And we do it within ourselves. So this voice within is like the most armored up voice of all. It is a voice that has decided to take on like total swagger. It is walking down the street going, ain't nobody going to fuck with me. And if you try, if you do anything that might expose me to rejection or harm or being ostracized or being criticized or looking foolish or idiotic, I am going to take you down. I am going to full on take you down. Now that's the top layer. That's why it shows up with this voice that right before you're considering doing something that's a big, bold move, like speak up on behalf of an issue that's important to you, that's why that voice comes up and is like, well, what do you really know about the issue? I mean, who are you really to comment on the issue? That voice is interested in self-preservation at all costs, including the cost of keeping you small. So what do you want to do? Do you want to live your life playing small? No, of course you don't. That's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why you're thinking about how do I live a more courageous life? Well, that voice of the critic is at the heart of how we live with more courage. We cannot love ourselves selectively. If you have this idea in mind that the life you want to live is one where you're fulfilled, happy, excited, joyful, out there in the world, following your dreams, creating your dreams, connecting with big-hearted people, really doing something that makes the world a better place at the same time that it brings you joy. How you deal with your internalized critic is going to say a lot about how far you get. And most of us limit ourselves by finding strategies for dealing with the critic that are all about ignoring it placating it or attacking it. And those strategies will only get you so far. They are short-term solutions to what is ultimately a longer-term problem. Because if you want to unconditionally love yourself, you cannot do it selectively. It is impossible to say, I want to love and accept myself for who I am. Oh, except this part over here. That's the critic. That can go shut the fuck up. It doesn't work that way, people. It doesn't work that way. It is like, if there's anything I could get on a bullhorn about right now in self-help, it would be that. It would be the rampant crazy making out there of people who are in thought leader, self-help leader spaces who are basically saying, fuck fear, kick fear's ass, tell it to go away. Don't deal with fear. Be fearless. No, you're not going to do that. You're not because the critic is there because it's wounded and it is afraid, and it will get very feral, and it will fight to the death. So if this instance, or this idea, I guess I should say, has piqued your curiosity at all, if perhaps you've thought to yourself, hey, wait a minute, it hasn't ever worked for me to avoid my critic. It hasn't ever worked for me to try to do life perfectly so it won't come up. It hasn't ever worked to attack my critic. What else is there? Well, big, big sigh of relief on my part if you've made it this far. There is something else there. And it's something that in the like bro circles of self-help in particular, the like uber masculine, shoulder padded, success mindset, 
circles is going to be like, oh, this is so laughable. <laughs> um, but it's it's loving yourself and starting with actually extending unconditional positive regard to your critic. This won't mean, by the way, that you let it get continue to get away with the shenanigans. Because the critic is up to some shenanigans in service to its fear and in service to trying to prevent you from getting any further wounding. But if you have a wound and you can figure out how to heal it, it's not going to hurt as much, is it? Try that on. So how do we heal it? Well, for one thing, you got to start actually noticing what your critic is saying. And that's the first piece that almost no one wants to do. So this means really listening without attachment. I've talked about that in a couple other your Courageous Life episodes, and I talk about it in great detail in my book, The Courage Habit. But listening without attachment, listening without going into this space of thinking that what the fear is telling you is automatically true. Most of us have a lot of habits that are ingrained around avoiding our critic or placating our critic, or if we dare to listen to the critic, attacking it immediately. So we first got to stop doing those things and be willing to simply listen. There's a very specific way that I like to listen to my own particular critic when the fear is really kicking up. And this is the method that I would suggest for you as you're getting started with all this. Um, you sit down with a piece of paper. I like to have, you know, a, a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, regular sheet of paper, but turned horizontally with two different sides. And what I like to do is on the left side, I like to put what it is my critic is actually saying. Just let's just get it down on paper. You're not enough. You can't do this. You don't have enough time. You're too busy. It's going to require so much effort and you already have so much going on. This just feels stupid. This isn't any fun. I feel like an idiot right now. You know, whatever those things are that the critic is saying, just getting it down. And then on the right side of the paper, reframing how I'm going to respond to that critical voice. So if it's, I'm not enough, then it's a reframe that's something along the lines of, I'm doing the best I can. It's worth it to me to try. If it's, you're too busy, you don't have enough time as it is, how are you going to fit something else in? It can be, it feels very overwhelming to be so busy. I'm willing to look at my time and see how I can fit this in. Maybe there's something I need to say no to. So it's really just like as simple as getting both of those down on a sheet of paper side by side. Now there's another tool you can use, also taught to me by my coach, Matthew Marzell, um, ages ago. And, and it's his tool, he, he calls it Redo Please. And it's a dialoguing exercise. And as a dialoguing exercise, the way Redo Please works is um, your critic says something like, you know, you're too busy already. How can you even think of taking on something else? Pause, breathe, and I say to my critic, Redo Please. I'm open to hearing whatever it is you have to say, but it has to be phrased respectfully. Redo, please. And, you know, I'm a no bullshit kind of person, okay? Especially when I first started doing this, when Matthew would suggest that I did exercises like this, y you know, my response would be something like, well, are you kidding me? Like, really? I'm going to sit here, like, 
I'm going to like talk to my critic. You know, this is so ridiculous. And, you know, he might have pointed out that some people might say it's ridiculous to keep doing the same old things and getting the same old results for decades of your life. <laughs> always with a smile, Matthew, always with a smile. Um, and he's right. I mean, yeah, it feels ridiculous to be dialoguing with the critic at first. Of course it does. It is ridiculous. Let's just admit it, right? Let's just laugh about it right here, right now. It is completely ridiculous. And it's very effective. It's got to become a habit, though. You can't do it once and then expect, you know, immediate results. It's got to be consistent. And especially when I first started, a major deterrent to me using Redo Please was that I would do something like, you know, you're not enough, my critic would say, and I go, well, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. And then my critic would shoot back with, well, your best is certainly not going to be great. You know, and, and so it's like, it's, you know, okay, redo, please. I'm open to hearing what you have to say, but it has to be phrased respectfully. And then my critic would be something like, oh, you're going to use this redo, please tool. Nice. Sure. Okay. So uh, do your best with that, Kate. So my critic was very practiced at how to sort of outmaneuver the tool even. But nonetheless, the tool needed to be used. And I would go to my coach, Matthew, at first, and I'd say, it's not working. And he would say, well, how long have you been get doing it? And I'd be going, well, you know, a couple months. And he'd go, well, how long have you been talking to yourself <laughs> through the voice of the critic in a way that isn't respectful? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, a couple decades. <laughs> well, there you go. And then sometimes I'd say, I've been using this tool, it's not working, and he'd go, how often have you used it? And I'd go, well, you know, I used it last week. Are you using it every day? Well, you know, maybe once a day. Well, how often is your critic kicking up and saying that, you know, something's wrong, something's not right? Well, all the time, throughout the day. Well, are you using it each time? No, I'm not. Well, there you go, people, right? <laughs> That's how this happens. That's how it is. In essence... I think where we each have to individually arrive if we are going to be willing to embrace the inner critic is this. One, you got to recognize that it's a wound. Two, you got to recognize that trying to beat up on a wound does not heal the wound. Three, you got to recognize that some consistent work is needed. And consistent does not mean once a week. Consistent does not even necessarily mean once a day if one more than once a day is what's required. Consistent means more often than not, when you need it, you do it. New definition of consistency there. More often than not, when you need it, you do it. And you really also got to be committed to this idea that the unconditional love that you give to the critic is going to be worth it in the long haul of what it is that you're able to change in your life. If you continue to practice abuse with your critic, you are reinforcing patterns of abuse, self-abuse. And if you continue to reinforce patterns of self-abuse, I am very sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you are becoming the abuser. You know, people who run become runners. People who cook become cooks. People who write become writers. People who consistently abuse become abusers. They become abusive. And we do not heal abuse with more abuse. We do not heal abuse by telling our critics to shut the fuck up, go away, sit down, I don't care about you. 
and a great litmus test for whether or not you are giving yourself the kind of love that you would hope to give yourself is this. Would you treat a small child this way? I mean, we can go, would you treat anyone this way? But there are a lot of us who treat other adults in our lives the way we treat our critics. We avoid the uncomfortable adults in our lives, or we try to endlessly placate the uncomfortable adults in our lives, or we attack the uncomfortable adults in our lives. But how about we go to a small child? If you had a little toddler that was crying and crying and throwing a fit because it had a really limited emotional range... Would you shut it in a closet and ignore it? I hope not, because that's called child abuse. Would you endlessly placate it? Well, I hope not, because that doesn't teach that child any skills for resilience as it moves into the world. Would you attack it? Well, again, I hope not, because that's called child abuse. People get put in jail, in prison, for doing things to children that they do to themselves. It is crazy-making to expect that we are going to heal ourselves, that we are going to create happiness for ourselves by either avoiding the parts of ourselves that are less developed, placating those parts, or certainly attacking those parts. We all deserve something better. You deserve something better. Here's how you start. You decide right here and right now that you will no longer ignore, avoid, please placate or attack your own internalized critic. You make a commitment that every time you feel afraid, feel that fear, that worry, that anxiety in your body, you will sit down with a piece of paper and you will listen without attachment to what the critic says. You will write down what the critic is saying and then you will reframe it in a better direction. And you will redo, please, every time the critic is not kind to you. In learning how to do this for yourself, you will find that you have an easier time with others as well, by the way. And in learning how to do this for yourself, you will be giving yourself an incomparable gift. You will be giving yourself the truest self-love that exists. Here's to you embracing your inner critic. Oh, heavy, heavy episode, right? But I hope it gave you something to think about. And it was a joy to record because the entire time I'm recording it, I'm thinking of the person I know that I was before I began doing this work and the person I know I am today. And I'm thinking about how the voice of the critic just does not control as much as it used to. It's not so exhausting. There's so much that just gets freed up when we treat ourselves with love and reverence and compassion and care. And I want that for you. So here's to you creating a new way of being with your critic. Thanks so much for listening.